0: This is episode 127 of Alohomora for March 6th, 2015. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Alohomora. I am Eric Skull. I am Rosie Morris. I'm Michael Harley,
1: and joining us today is somebody very familiar to you listeners, and who we are very thankful was able to step in at the last minute for us, our good friend Laura Riley. Everybody say hello to Laura Riley. Yay Yay. for Laura Riley! (laughs) Couldn't keep me way too long. (laughs) So... But thank you, Laura, for stepping in so no last problem. minute for us. We very much appreciate it. So, so tell
2: us your house. <laughs> us about this. Yeah,
3: right now, you guys, I have a snow day right now. So you've missed. You actually pulled me out of the, the House of Cards hole. I've watched a season and a half in a span of 24 hours. So this is probably for the best. <laughs> oh, good. This, this is,
0: is like this therapy. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Give your eyes a rest. You can record. The great thing about podcasts I've found is that you can record with your eyes closed. <laughs> Especially if is you're that what seasoned. you're doing? Uh Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Except when I have to open them to read the doc. I was going to say, that's why Eric never follows the doc. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: secrets out, secrets out, guys. <laughs> well, Laura is joining us today for the chapter which is titled After the Book. It's very meta. This Eponymous. It, it's, it's perfect. It's the eponymous chapter. It is uh, chapter nine of Half-Blood Prince. The Half-Blood Prince. So please, listeners, make sure to read that chapter
0: before listening into the show so you can get the most out of our discussion today. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Audible. Exclusively for fans of Alohomora, they are offering a free audio download. They have over 150,000 titles of audiobooks to choose from, so head over to audiblepodcast.com slash open, that's O-P-E-N, to get yours now.
4: Before we start today's chapter, we do need to recap our chapter comments from last week. And first off, whoa, okay, 270 <laughs> comments on one week's episode. Like, In case you all were Wednesday. wondering,
0: that was written in there too. <laughs> it,
4: it was written in that, like, I am amazed. This is amazing. Thank you guys so much for so much good discussion on um, last week's show and also the week before. You're all amazing. Thank you very much. Um, here's just a quick shout out to all of the random off topics as well. Um, hello to all the Jillians that were introducing themselves. <laughs> in there was, there was about six or seven Jillians all saying, I'm a Jillian too. <laughs> um, so welcome to all of you. Um, and welcome to our new listeners as well who are just joining us in this book. Having missed our previous shows, please do go back and listen to all the episodes because they are brilliant. I'm on was- those ones. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <That wasn't... laughs> you have no idea who I am. <laughs> Feel free to go back.
1: <laughs> that was an impressive show this week. This week, because uh, that, that was one of that's one of the shortest chapters in Half Blood Prince too. Yeah.
0: So I think that's probably
4: why there was so much off topic. Not much <laughs> interesting content to talk about. So they were just. Well, Rosie braved
0: instead. it, and and and, and she uh, let out her inner Gryffindor in in searching through, coming through those uh, yeah those comments to find the best of the best Dang. to discuss
4: i tried (laughs) hopefully these ones are some great ones there are also some brilliant ones left in there because there were just simply far too many to include um within our very short show but to start off um we have little me 15 who says about the patronus message from tonks getting to snape instead of hagrid this raises a serious security question what if this is about something more sensitive I mean, I understand that they wouldn't be messaging sensitive information with Patronuses, but really, Harry Potter's location is kind of serious. Shouldn't there be some kind of security on the message that it gets so it definitely gets the right person? Especially since they're at war. Is it because both Hagrid and Snape are in the order? So if, for example, Flitwick, I'm assuming he isn't in the order, received it, would he be able to hear it? What do you guys think? Mm. Is there security on Patronuses? I'd probably I
0: probably not. Yeah, I I thought that the uh the whole patronus thing there was an interview where Joe hinted that members of the order have something cooler than the internet that they use to communicate with each other and I think if I'm remembering correctly like 10 years ago that ended up being this method yeah. of communicating through Yeah, it was Patronuses, and if it was intro the right way, and of course this was years before we even learned that Patronuses could be used this way. I think she said it was just for members of the order to use, so that or that uh, only the members of the order. Maybe they popularize using the Patronuses in this way, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to say specifically if it's like secure. Obviously, we see it goes to the wrong person in the previous chapter, but it's it's not a common way of using a Patronus. So I wonder if it is like an order thing where only they would be able to receive it.
3: Well, maybe it's not that it's not a common way of using a Patronus, but that you, being able to produce a Patronus is not common. So,
1: That's true too. You that is, know, tr- that it's is like true. It's for
3: like for the small minority of people, as we've been, you know, led on to believe because everyone like, yeah. flips out when Harry can <laughs> do it. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: from that context, it's like, For those people, it might just be something that they've worked this hard to be able to produce any Patronus, much less a corporeal Patronus, much less one that can talk. So, you know, these require these elite wizards that, you know, that that might be what's so um, special about it.
4: But that makes it easy to send or that makes it difficult to send the Patronus message, but it doesn't make it difficult to receive it. Yeah. So that's the issue where if if they were stood in a crowd of people, would everyone then hear your secret message? Um, Well, we know from the wedding... So, yeah, right. King yeah, Kingsley's that's, message that's was that example. meant
0: for everyone or was it meant for a small amount of people?
4: That's quite a major warning, so I think that one would definitely be trying for to tell many people as possible. Security
0: setting low. Maybe <laughs> importance maybe patronuses importance. have like embedded
1: like, you know, secondary go-to's like it, you know, it wanders if around for a while. People don't yell out. Yeah, well, you know, if it wanders around for a while and it can't fight Hagrid. It's like, all right, who's next on the list? And then it, I, I mean, That's I mean,
4: actually, an interesting thought. The The silver doe in, in the last book only appears when Harry's on his own. But like just before it appears, isn't he talking to Hermione? Um, so it's as if it waited for her to, to leave before it showed itself to Harry. Doesn't mm. Ron see it? Um, no, he sees Harry, he sees Harry go into the lake, but I don't think he sees the doe. They have a whole conversation about, did you send the doe? What doe?
0: Doe A deer, a female deer. I think you actually, (laughs) um, just wrapping up this comment. Clearly we don't know the answer, but uh, I think you just, I'm going to make a joke here. And instead of answering it properly and say that, uh, you have to be able to spell the word corporeal. (laughs) Uh, in in order to get messages from Patronus. The
4: next comment is from Slytherin Knight, and it says, After reading the entire series and knowing what has happened to Snape, I think Snape is a huge hypocrite by saying that Tonks' Patronus looked weak. Um, He actually doesn't get a good look at her Patronus. only um, Only the comment made by Snape gives us any indication of its strength. And I will always take what Snape says with a grain of salt. Um, but this comment coming from the man who claims to love a woman that he had a hand in her murder and then treats her son like dirt, all because Harry looks like his father, is quite interesting. The Patronus is such an emotion-based spell that the feelings required to, needed to produce it have to be very strong. And Snape has quite a bit of control over his emotions. He has to in order to fool Voldemort. Though you mentioned Harry Potter in his vicinity and Snape loses all control over his emotions, he only sees Harry as James's son, not Lily's son, etc. Um, for him to say that a Patronus is weak is pretty annoying and hypocritical and for Snape to say anything about a person loving another in a disparaging manner is pretty hypocritical since, as we know, Snape loves Lily and always did. I want to add a little side comment to this because I think this is this is a really interesting comment that's going in an interesting direction. Um, but Snape's comment about Tonks' Patronus looking weak when Tonks' Patronus has changed because of her love for Lupin or or Sirius, we never really find out which... Um, is is the truth there but Snape's Patronus is a doe so Snape's Patronus is the shape of, you know, symbolically Lily Mm -hmm. Um, so his has done exactly the same thing as Tonks's. so is his comment on hers looking weak also self-critical because his is the same
0: for me, I've always felt that he was making a comment of if it is a wolf the wolf looking weak because Lupin looks weak all the time Mm-hmm. Because Lupin is always shaggy and bedraggled, and if that is that a word? And yeah. uh so I, I, I've always felt it was a comment against Lupin.
2: Like, yeah.
0: Kind of after the fact, after we learned that, like what her Patronus was.
4: I'm pretty
1: sure that's it because it's you know even though there's th- at this point in the story there's ambiguity and we're we're meant to think especially with our first read that it's that it's a a dog Patronus and not a wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that, it is pretty much confirmed, I think Pottermore kind of cemented it, um, but it was pretty much confirmed that it is, her her new Patronus is a wolf. Um, sure. And uh, so yeah, Snape is commenting on that. I never thought of it as going as kind of that, this hypocritical nature that Snape is commenting on something that he himself is <laughs> guilty of with his Patronus. Yeah, but that's interesting. I don't, you know, it, Rosie, well, I, I think that's a, a fair point that Snape's being, in, in like, it, if you were being... You know, looking really deep into it That Snape's perhaps yeah. <laughs> going Like, turning it on himself and actually Criticizing, you know, criticizing Tonks For being as weak as he is in that respect uh, But
4: it's mainly just criticizing it,
1: Yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> I, think it's, it's a, I
0: think it's a jab at the Marauders yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I think it is And it is, it, it is, it is horribly hypocritical Um, in, in that way Because it does reflect on Tonks as well Because Tonks is, you know, very Obviously very attached to Lupin For her patronus to have changed Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, not, not cool, Snape. And I saw, a few, there were quite, there were quite a lot of debates in the comment section yep. about this. And, um, I did see people saying, no, 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 Snape's, Snape did you know, he's, he, he, he didn't mean it on Tonks or whatever. But I was, I'm like, no, no, he meant it as a mean thing. <laughs> it's a jerk
0: thing to say. Yes, it was a jerk, jerk thing yeah,
1: to whatever say. whatever
4: happens it is. <laughs> However, Snape's many buttons have now... Come together and to give us <laughs> this next comment. The brilliant username. I love our username. <laughs> so, Snape's Many Buttons says, I have a theory about why Draco was given the dark mark. His father is not only rich, but has many contacts. So, if he knew Draco would fail at his task and be killed by Voldemort, surely he would have tried to find a way to send Draco away and hide him. Even if he knew he would be killed for doing it, I think Draco's father would do anything to save him. With the mark, perhaps Voldemort would not only be able to summon Draco, but track him and even punish him. It binds him in a way that prevents him from escaping his fate. It could also have been a way for Voldemort to convince Draco that he believed he could complete the task, even though he fully believed Draco would fail and be killed.
1: I think that last Uh, part is definitely um, something that the, the book pretty much implies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, that, that he's trackable. Yeah, well, that that he's that he's convinced Malfoy that it's, yeah, it's
4: a fool there, and he's he's <clears throat> sending him to die to punish Lucius. Yeah,
1: yeah, Because yeah. Malfoy starts out this book thinking that this is like a task that he can actually complete.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, it was probably sold to him as such. That yeah. I mean, Voldemort like forget the fact that Voldemort knows that Draco can't do this. He probably gave him the Dark Mark and sold it to him as you're going to be great. Mm-hmm. It's like, your dad served me faithfully, you're pretty cool, oh, you should go agree. and do this.
4: I Yeah, I don't oh, yeah. think it was that positive. I think it was more, your dad failed me completely, now you have to do it and prove that you're better than him. But Draco's I, I proud, kind of, Draco's I proud
0: take, of his dark mark, though.
4: So. Yeah. I fully not see nothing. it somewhere,
3: like, differently. I feel like it was almost um, him giving him this impossible mission, and even just presenting it almost, like, passive-aggressively, being like, yep, like this is the mission, like, knowing... Like, that, he, that he'll that he fail. And I think Draco realizes that... I don't think Draco thinks he can do it from the minute one. I don't think he's ever really competent. And I think if all this other stuff is really just him, like, kind of, like, trying to tell himself that he can, because he has no other choice. But I think mm-hmm. it's kind of the position he's in. He's like, yep, you're punishing me for my father. And because it's a punishment, like, this is not yeah. going to work out for me.
4: He is definitely scared already. Um, his character has changed enough already at the start of this book um, and will only get kind of steadily weaker or, you know, more afraid and um, more kind of destroyed as
0: the book goes on. I-, I think he wants to make his father proud. He feels it's like the family name, like carrying it on.
1: See, it's yeah. it, actually, it actually was explained a little bit on Pottermore. I was wondering that just listening to you guys kind of debate Malfoy's feelings at this point. Uh, but it actually says here furious at the world that seemed suddenly to have turned on his father, Draco accepted full membership of the Death Eaters and agreed to perform the murder Voldemort ordered. At this early stage, full of the desire for revenge and to return his father to Voldemort's favor, Draco barely comprehended what he was being asked to do. All he knew that was all he knew was that Dumbledore represented everything his imprisoned father disliked. Draco managed quite easily to convince himself that he too thought the world would be a better place without the Hogwarts headmaster around whom opposition to Voldemort had always rallied.
0: Ah, that's <laughs> fascinating.
1: So I think, so, and it goes on to kind of detail that Malfoy really did think he was going to be able to do this. Um, but he was purely kind of looking for, you know, revenge for his dad.
4: Yeah, he's blinded by it. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. But nice, I think we but see that. I think we see that in the gradual... It is a great character arc for yeah. him to gradually realize that he can't. Yeah. Or that he no longer <coughs> believes, as he did at the beginning of the year, that Dumbledore deserves to get it.
4: And as I will say in every single episode that I'm on this book, Tom Felton does an amazing job in showing <laughs> the
0: movie. He's, he's pretty good. Why does
4: he not have more awards? I don't understand. <laughs> All the awards to Tom Felton. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Hufflepug is back and has a yeah, brilliant yeah, comment yeah. for us. As <laughs> witches and wizards, it would be possible to operate from London to Hogsmeade every day to teach at Hogwarts. It would be a quicker commute than most muggles have to make. I don't remember hearing anything about Neville becoming head of Gryffindor, but it might eventually happen. Does the head of house have to live in the castle? Assuming that Hannah still ran the Leaky Cauldron, it would be hard to live away from his wife for the entire school year. I think this is talking about why professors are taking trips on the train. Oh, that's Um, right.
1: Yeah. Because everybody was wondering why Slughorn was on the train.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, does Neville... Take the train to Hogwarts and live there the entire year in the future that we we hear about, or does he live hmm. in the Leaky Cauldron with his wife Hannah and then apparate in and out of the school?
0: Hannah actually becomes a matron at school. Does she? Uh, that yeah, I think so. She ends okay. up working. She ends up working in the same place. Well, that solves um, that
4: problem then. <laughs> wait, yeah, they, is, they were living. I don't living, remember that at all.
0: They were living together. It was uh, they were living together in Leaky Cauldron, but I think as recently as. Uh, The Rita Skeeter article at the Quidditch World Cup thing. I read that. She might be a matron.
2: (laughs) Let's do a quick
0: Google. Yes, that is correct. She went back to school. That is correct. She retrained as a healer
1: in 2014. She is currently applying for the job of matron at Hogwarts
0: School. So she will get it. So
4: can we just talk about how cool that is that it actually... Happening
0: now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what? happening right now. She's she's hoping to get a job at Hogwarts. Right Go, now. Hannah. <laughs> Maybe to be closer to Neville, right? Uh, or, um, well, I, I think that it was it was clear to me anyway when we read the chapter uh, with the Slug Club that Slughorn wanted that lead time yeah. with those children, mm-hmm. uh, and that was why he rode the train. Um, Lupin, uh, mm-hmm. who also rode the train, a couple years before that. He was tired. He probably didn't have the energy to operate. That's what I think. I think it
4: was very close to a full moon as well, so.
0: Yeah, so pretty dangerous for him, but uh, actually, that's really dangerous for him to be on the train when it's that close
2: to the full moon. (laughs) That's true. I think Um, think the
0: I I get the sense that the teachers
1: kind of ride the train just because it's Kind of nostalgic and it's also kind of a tradition for them because they were and It seen was twice.
4: their carriage. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's, it's like,
1: it's a, it's kind of a, like from what we found out on Pottermore about the train, I don't think anybody really kind of reflected on this until Pottermore brought it up, but the train is pretty unusual because it's like almost purely muggle technology that they're using. Um, yeah, so uh, I think they kind of find it somewhat of a novelty they
4: like it it's quaint yeah just like we all do when we go and travel <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah no it's like, it's like trains <laughs> trains are just as entertaining i think for for witches and wizards if not more so than for muggles so okay. yeah i think and then like i said there's a traditional aspect um for some of the teachers i imagine too i and also i mean you can operate that distance but i'm pretty sure it's not recommended. Um. Like.
0: <laughs> um. There's a there's, well, race. there's also there are flu. Uh. Network yeah,
2: options. Yeah. yeah. from
3: to And don't. Doesn't it say? Um. I'm trying to remember what book it is. I want to say Deathly Hallows. Possibly the end of Half Blood Prince. I'm not sure. Where they say like oh like. Voldemort's like within operating distance or something like I remember Ooh. that being a thing like he was traveling from like Albania or something and like then. Because I, I this is totally like a vague memory. I'm not sure, but then I remember they said him saying like, "Oh yeah." Then he was like, "Within operating distance is now not going to be
4: here." Am yeah. I totally making awesome. that up? Uh, I don't remember it, but it's possible. Not
1: yeah. There's possible. there's something to that. I think because I do know there's conversations in the book and also in like extra canonical material that discusses that it's not wise to operate at certain distances. Yeah. Um, You're
4: more likely to lose a finger. Yep. Or
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> so. I I mean, besides yeah. the choice of like you know commuting or staying at Hogwarts all the time. Come on, really? You'd stay. You'd stay at Hogwarts. Stay <laughs> <laughs> um, but,
0: but no, guys. For... Neville
4: is currently teaching at Hogwarts.
0: It's happening <laughs> right <laughs> now. <laughs> for Hannah, his wife, um, I'm sure they must communicate through flu or do something. To bridge the gap of distance. So I don't. At least well, if she gets, she that gets that
4: job. the job at yeah, when she gets the job as the healer, then they'll be together, and it'll be glorious.
1: Rosie, I don't know why you're so overexcited about this because as a witch, true. I work with them every day. As, well, yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> you're privy to all of this, so <laughs> why are you freaking out? <laughs> She's got.
4: It's, it's just my little shipper heart. It's like, oh, they should be together.
1: <laughs> She's got to keep
0: her cover, you guys.
4: I do, I do. Although I, I broke out a bit today, went to school full Hufflepuff, never
0: mind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but let's move on to our wonderful uh, podcast question of the week responses, which also were numerous and amazing this week, <laughs> as always. Uh, once again, as a reminder, our podcast question of the week last week was, In this chapter, Tonks comes to Harry's rescue, but what if she hadn't? Does Hogwarts take attendance, and would anyone notice he wasn't there and come looking for him? Would Harry have really gone back to London, dripping blood? So, uh, our Puff Pride has to be set aside for Puff and Proud. Their (laughs) comment, uh, their response says, Assuming that Draco's spell would last the way back to London... I would think that from a practical standpoint, the train would have to be cleaned after carting a few hundred kids around for several <laughs> hours. So whenever it got back to its storage site, if the Witcher Wizard, who's supposed to, is likely to come through with the Scourgeify, doesn't first try a homonym revealio before they board, then he or she is likely to stumble, literally, upon Harry when entering the compartment. <laughs> That's a lot of thought for that, that yeah. whole thing in. completely
4: logicked out. Like that is exactly what would
0: happen. Yeah. Except, yeah, except that's, that's pretty much. Would yeah. they would they have to step in?
1: You can just scorchify that thing from the door and keep going. You could just. That's true. You could just scorchify the whole, whole carriage and just be done with.
4: But then there'd still be like a body on the floor that needs to be cleaned up. So.
1: But yeah, but he can't. Yeah. They can't see it if they don't use of Revelio*. Like, are they? Why so would, I guess. Why would they assume yeah. that there's charms being put on the train that they wouldn't be able to
0: see? so
4: would Scourgeify make the invisibility cloak like fold itself up and all <laughs> <or whatever? laughs> uh, i
0: think i think the beginning of this comment is probably the best uh in terms of insight that draco's spell will one day wear off yeah oh yeah it, it'll wear off
1: <laughs> it'll probably wear off after less than an
0: hour
4: as rebecca the ravenclaw says in her next comment
0: Ooh, rebecca the ravenclaw adds i don't think that particular spell would have lasted that long there you go I don't know what decides each spell's length. Maybe the intention of the spell matters? The power of the wizard matters too, I know, but surely that's more of the force of the spell, not the length? Question mark. Considering the journey back to London is a full day, I doubt Draco's spell would last that long, so it is entirely possible it would wear off, and Harry could just stand up and walk to the front compartment. Thinking of another thing, why would the express go straight back to London that night? Surely the conductor is tired. <laughs> Wouldn't he or she want to spend the night in Hogsmeade and then start the journey the next day? Or does the train go all on its own like cruise control or autopilot and the conductor is just there to tap his or her wand to start it up? So this comment has Harry er, uh, Harry rendezvousing with the conductor, either mid-transit or prior to transit. But once again, when Draco's spell wears off.
3: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I don't think it would necessarily last all the way to London. I think that's more just like it wouldn't have sounded as good to be like, enjoy your ride back to the Hogsmeade, like parking deck <laughs> <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> it's like you know, it's You're right. It was kind of like it.
0: a I've got you, Harry kind of thing. Yeah. Versus this. It's will like a Bond
3: villain I'm... thing to say rather than yeah. a a factual statement.
0: Okay. That's that's a good point. Um <laughs> So does the conductor like to uh, spend his time in Hogsmeade, or does he like London better?
4: I don't know. There's been a lot of conversation about whether the Hogwarts Express is just for Hogwarts. Like, does it only get used a couple of times a year, or does it do other things as well? Um, oh, yeah. In which case, the conductor would have other jobs to do. Um,
0: maybe, maybe it's like Brigadoon. It only appears on
1: the 1st of September. <laughs> yeah. I Well, as Good. as far as Pottermore goes, it's implied that there's other trains. that. Yeah. But uh, so that's
4: other trains, not necessarily... The, the train
1: repurposed. Cool. Wonder if yeah, well, because I can't imagine. You know, despite what we were saying before about operating, uh I don't know if too many wizards would like if 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 the Hogwarts Express is used like regularly to transport pe- people from London to to Hogsmeade and vice versa, um, or not. But because daily we, routes, yeah, because yeah. we only know the train is used when whenever they go back for holidays this is the only other time. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. We don't know anything. Somebody, I'm sure somebody's written a really elaborate fanfiction about the Conductor.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even then, it's not canon. And then, no. <laughs> but that's so the comment, most we'd ever know. Yeah, our next comment comes from Spinner's End. And <laughs> this is in all caps. At least the first word is, EVERYONE uh, would have noticed the Chosen One's absence. <clears throat> Honestly, I'm not sure anyone would have thought to check the train. Oh, that's interesting. I think most people would have assumed that Harry had been taken from the train. This does make me ask a question, though. How long would the uh, Malfoy's jinx have lasted? Is there a time limit on these things, or would Harry have been stuck in like that forever, or at least until the end of term when students (laughs) once again filled the train? (laughs) Okay, we did mention... Well, he'd be uh, dead by then. (laughs) Yeah, from starvation.
1: No, Uh, Malfoy's spells are not that good, you guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, but yes, the question, so Spinner's End feels that people would have noticed uh, Harry's absence, that it would have been fairly conspicuous. Um,
1: Which is funny, because I always like that line when Harry's imagining
0: people on the platform being like, where's Harry Potter? Where's Harry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, I waited for him to, c- it's like waiting for him to come out the stage door at one of his <laughs> Colin um, Creevy's
1: there with his camera waiting for another, yeah. an exclusive photo, but...
0: Um, so very possibly someone would have noted, or, or like just assumed that he had like gone out a different way. Like that's when I happened to wait at, uh, I was waiting for Rupert Grint and he, uh, he was only, uh, he, he was the only one to come out actually. But, um, you'd always just assume that they go out another door. Um, so maybe that wouldn't have raised an alarm, but I think eventually Ron and Hermione would be like, wait, where'd he go? Um, yeah. and then they would whip out their owls and... <laughs> Send him a letter and then follow the owl (laughs) and our last uh, podcast question of the week comment that we're going to read. Of course, there are many more on our website. Go check them out. The last one's from Rose Lumos, who says, I was thinking back a few chapters and books and thought that this reminds me of the end of Order of the Phoenix when Harry and some of the uh, DA members turn Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle into slug-like things. The DA stuffs them into an overhead compartment and say something about what their mothers will think when they see them. Don't parents usually meet their children on the Muggle side of King's Cross? Did Malfoy transform back and leave the train, or did someone have to rescue them? Was it his mother, another Slytherin, or someone on the train? It was never discussed, but I do wonder how long Malfoy and his friends were left sitting in one position waiting for someone to rescue them. If I was Malfoy, I would find what he did to Harry as equal revenge. Guys, I don't remember this from Order of the Phoenix.
4: It's right at the end. What happened? what is this
1: (laughs) Malfoy came in like he always does and he was a jerk and so they
0: jinxed him so they uh, turn him into a slug
4: because they've all like had all of their um DA training so and like he he, Malfoy insults them in front of like a massive group of DA members so they all cast spells at once and they interact in weird ways and there are various things that happen to them oh my god if I'm remembering that correctly
2: Yeah, remember this either. (laughs) The
1: the thing about spells that I'm kind of seeing more and more uh, because in preparation for this chapter, I actually bothered to play last night uh, the uh, Wonder Book of Potions, which is (laughs) not the best game in the world, you guys. But there there's a character in it. it, There's a story about a a guy who gets in a duel, and he ends up at the end of the duel. He's left with an elephant trunk and six ears. (laughs) On his face,
2: so
1: (laughs) six elephant ears or no, 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 six regular ears and an elephant drum. (laughs) That's
0: less exciting,
1: (laughs) but but yeah, no spells have pretty. I think because I I think too because of the the game really talks about this a lot. But the way that kind of potions and spells interact when they're kind of put just kind of through the paces willy nilly, like you're not being really controlled with your magic the effects of how long they will last don't seem to be known. Um, like, it's implied the guy with the elephant trunk and the six ears stayed that way for the rest of his life. Um, so, <laughs> versus this... It's
4: to get... Is it Marietta with the sneak still scarred yeah. on your head? We know that some spells do last For a for long, long time.
1: time. Yeah, other
0: spells have counter spells. Like, yeah. other spells have counter curses. And if you get a Jelly Legs Jinx or even Petrificus Totalis, let's be real, there is a counter charm. Yes. Um, that will immediately. So eventually it'll wear off, but also it's. Benite, you know,
4: Incantatum.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the Expelliarmus of Stoppers. And that's the end of our recap from last week. Thank you, everyone, for your wonderful, insightful comments. As always, please keep them coming.
4: So this week was World Book Day, um, at least in the UK, which is confusing because it's World Book Day, but the UK (laughs) is the one that celebrates it. Not quite sure what that's about. Um, But I had great fun dressed up as a Hufflepuff seeker for the day, um, teaching in my school. The kids were all very interested in why I was waving a wand around with an owl in my hand. Um, And, you know, wands make great whiteboard pointers, just putting it out there for other teachers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But as I was handing out uh, World Book Day tokens where the kids can get a pound off um, a book or uh, one of the free um, World Book Day books like Quidditch Through the Ages and um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them that Joe wrote, wrote all that time ago, I was thinking, you know, why should they all have all the fun? So I went and bought my own book, which was Holly Black's Darkest Part of the Forest, which I can't wait to read. But I don't have a lot of time, so I'm thinking I might want to get the audiobook as well to listen to on my way to work.
0: I do that sometimes, for sure. Um, I'm always in my car, and I find that audiobooks, I'm just more likely to get through books in that way Mm
2: -hmm. than,
0: you know, setting aside the time at home to sit down and read. Well, um, if you are, like either me or Rosie, audible, is the best place for all of your audiobook and audio downloading needs. Right now, Audible has a really special offer for our U.S. and Canadian listeners. You can visit our unique link created specifically for you and get a free audiobook download today, right now. You just have to go to audiblepodcast.com slash open. Well, and, th- and for
1: those of you who aren't celebrating World Book Day over here in the US, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's currently Read Across America Month in celebration of Dr. Seuss's birthday. So oh, it does tie cool. in. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> so <laughs> since that's that is going on, you could also download uh, the, you could also download it using Audible's Listener program. Basically, you purchase book credits at a super low monthly rate and can use them at any time for any product that
0: Audible offers. With over 150,000 downloadable titles, you'll have a lot of options. Head over to audiblepodcast.com slash open and start downloading directly to your computer for easy listening on burned CDs, MP3 players, and even your iPad, iPhones, or Androids. Again, the website made just for you is audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, podcast, p o d c i s t dot com slash open, O-P-E-N. So visit audiblepodcast.com slash open ...for your free download today.
1: And now we move on... ...to our chapter discussion... ...for Chapter 9 of Half-Blood Prince. Chapter 9... ...The Half-Blood Prince. The trio begins their first day of sixth year... ...with high anxiety... ...fretting over how Hagrid will react... ...once he knows they are not continuing on... ...with Care of Magical Creatures... But their, but their worries are soon subsided. They are literally pretty much just like, oh, well, too bad. As Professor McGonagall begins handing out course schedules, thrilled to discover that Professor Slughorn accepts exceeds expectation students into his NEWT classes, Harry's or career plans are revived. He and Ron head off for one of many break periods while Hermione continues her hectic course schedule. But the workload catches up to them with a morbid Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson from Snape and an unexpectedly spirited potions lesson from Slughorn. But Slughorn isn't the only one Harry's learning from. Putting his faith in some wise, scribbled notes contained in his temporary potions book, Harry finds himself under the tutelage of the mysterious Half-Blood Prince.
2: Who could it
1: possibly be? Who could it be? Oh my god. We'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) But we start off... With a little bit of what I like to call career advice, part two. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is pretty much the kind of spiritual sequel section to that chapter in Order of the Phoenix. And yeah. uh, but interestingly, we get a little insight into perhaps what Neville and McGonagall might have been talking about, rather than Neville and or, uh, Harry and McGonagall, mm-hmm. and. uh uh, I was uh, uh, I was hoping that Caleb would actually be on this chapter because I was going to be like Caleb McGonagall go. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it
0: will be like a three hour episode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is. She she she's awesome yes. in this chapter though. To to your point, like she really she really cares about these students. At least um, we see that she's in the Gryffindor common room giving out you know just she's making sure right. She's making sure that everybody. Who got the required amount of newts is taking the, or sorry, owls is taking the correct classes for them, etc. And she goes all out, you know, enough to ask Harry why he isn't proceeding with uh, potions, mm-hmm. um, because she knows, you know, from their last, from their real, because no one told him he could. Yes, no one told him Don't. he could. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, failure of education to, to <laughs> notify him that. I mean, the rules change. so this is I mean, what the head of house is for.
3: Yeah. Actually, like, I mean, yes, but, like, at the same time, I feel like that it, that information probably was provided, like, in a letter like, on the bottom of, like, <laughs> yeah. the schedule. But because it's Harry, like, what yeah. you does not reading. I'm sure there was a note, like, in the Hogwarts letter. would be like, by the way, like, you have the option to take this. And it was like, yeah. uh-huh. And, like, to <laughs> the trash. Like,
0: it's so, possible. It's, I mean, it yeah. is, uh, as you see, or as McGonagall says, it is sp- specific to each teacher. Each teacher gets to choose, uh, what grades are good enough to get the next level of placement. So it's not like state mandated the way like AP classes uh, in schools across America would be, you know, where you have to take a test that is more than just, you know, the preference of the teacher. So there's that Uh, there's the fact that Snape, it was a surprise that he was not in fact going to be potions teacher this year. Yeah. Um, And thinking
4: about it, they only hired Slughorn on exactly the same night that the letters were sent out. So there probably wasn't enough time to put that note into the letters. Yes. Well,
1: and and with that, too, there's that goes along with the plot having to this particular section has to be so carefully constructed, Um, Mm -hmm. not only so that it's a surprise that Slughorn and Snape have pretty much switched their expected positions, but also so that Harry can get the Half-Blood Prince's book in his hands in this chapter, Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously, if he knew he was going on with potions, he would have just bought his own book yeah Um, right so
0: so it has to be a surprise
1: it has to be this way but i think that is part of it that i think that like if 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 somebody were to tweet rolling about it as so many do these (laughs) days and say how did harry not know she'd be like well they hired slughorn that same night so that's they couldn't put it in the letter that's gonna
3: sit back down (laughs) (laughs)
1: hashtag please don't ask me this again yeah. <laughs> but she's used that a few guys, times, right? Don't bug Queen Rose. <laughs> just just leave it
4: alone. Ask us instead and we'll, but she's we'll talk so approachable. She's so approachable.
1: <laughs> it's okay. She'll so, she'll come on the show someday, I'm sure. Back to back to Begongle, though.
0: She does um I, I thought it was a very tender moment between mm-hmm. her and Neville. Yes. Um when when she asks why he, he kinda wants to proceed with transfiguration. And we've,
4: we've talked quite a lot about her being like Harry's replacement mother figure, but like she is for Neville as well. Neville's lost his parents and it's really nice to see her stepping into that role and getting between him and his grand grandmother and well, like properly yeah, sorting out that relationship. She does. Well.
0: It, she does insert herself there, which is really, I, I wouldn't say it's uncharacteristic, but it's uncommon to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know as much as uh, Caleb or you Rosie about her mother, you know, kind of, mother replacement figure, because for me, I just think she's being a good teacher. I mean, she's saying to yeah, him, yeah, definitely. I've never noticed you taking or seeming to take a, a particular joy in my class in yeah. Transfiguration, to which Neville, you know, obviously then mutters about his grandmother. But she has watched him and she's watched him struggle. Uh, and he only received what an acceptable uh, in Transfiguration in the end. So and
4: that'll be an amazing achievement for him as well. So she'll be proud of him for getting that acceptable. Yeah, and she doesn't mind that he doesn't get higher than that because, you know, he's he's achieved something good. So it's great.
0: Yeah, but uh, but yeah, definitely a tender moment here. Yes, yeah. I just
1: thought it was, it's very nice to see McGonagall actually being very attentive, as attentive as she is to her students. Um, and it's also exciting, of course, to know that Harry's aspirations as an Auror are not completely dead. Yeah. Um,
0: good because I don't know what else he'd be <laughs> well you know and I, we don't know many other talks. well and I was thinking
1: about that I've been thinking about this more with these last two books than and than any other reread but uh Harry like when I when you know when when it, this comes back up and it's like okay you can be an aura again and then of course as we know Harry's gonna uh, uh, you know excel at potions not through his own merits whatsoever Ouch, yeah. and and I'm just I'm really worried for Harry as an Auror because he really you know, and and we see, too, in, in this chapter, and we'll see in continuing chapters, that Hermione is still helping them loads with their homework. Um, yeah. It's, I, I'm just a little concerned that Harry doesn't quite have what it <laughs> takes. And I know people say that Harry's seventh year and so on kind of proves that he does, but... I'm not sure about that. Maybe,
0: maybe against Voldemort. Maybe specifically yeah, against
1: Voldemort. Yeah, specifically
0: against Voldemort, yes. Yeah, well, and then he had the unbeatable <clears throat> wand, didn't he? I mean, that's as <laughs> being an horror. Yes. Uh, I just... But didn't he
4: not get
0: rid in of movie canon. Yeah. yeah, in movie canon he got rid of that. So. But I'm
2: just a little concerned.
4: I think, yeah, I think maybe because he is the chosen one and stuff, they might, like... Leave him in the office. Yeah, while else goes out. That's you're the poster or. <laughs>
0: yeah, actually exactly. You're what every or wants. You're the
4: Captain America before he leaves the army. Kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as
0: you're as long as you're still alive, there's this impression that we're doing good.
1: Going from such a positive interaction with McGonagall, we'll just flip that around completely because <laughs> we have a Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson which we normally look forward to, but not today uh... because our new professor is Snape. And there's a few interesting things about this lesson. One, the first thing I want to talk about, actually, is Snape's method. Because what Snape is teaching them today is nonverbal spells, which are going to be super important through the rest of the books. Snape's lead into that is pretty much, okay, nonverbal spells, go. I, I guess, you know, again, really looking at McGonagall, and then to Snape, this has always bothered me about Snape's teaching, is that he really doesn't explain what he's talking about. He's just kind of like, all right, now do it. This is very similar to the um, Occlumency lessons from last year. But
4: he's going to teach you how to ensnare the senses and all
1: of those <laughs> the things. things that he said the mind. And
4: the-
0: <laughs> um, well,
3: I think it's it's also like he does it almost to prove a point that like you should know this by now. Like he's he's like. Doing this almost like to to mock the incompetency of like previous professors, yeah. like particularly Lupin and stuff, because you see this is job. what he did in his class. Yeah. yeah, but it's like you've been like, you know, complaining about not getting this job for your entire life, like and now you have it. Like, do a good job.
2: <laughs> like, come
3: on. Like <laughs> yeah. put everything aside because they can take it away from you just as quickly as they gave it to you.
0: Well you get you get um somebody like Hermione who is very unique in that she's probably read the whole textbook um, before setting foot in this class. And she manages to block one of Neville's uh, attacks non-verbally successfully within about 10 minutes. Um, But for everyone else, again, like you're saying, like he expects them to be at this level that they're just not at. And the class amounts to watching people like attack each other and be attacked and have no real means of defense. And so his, his, his class is really falling as flat as the people who are getting knocked over. I tried to make a joke there. Um, <laughs> about, you know, just attacking each other. But then I question, isn't that kind of like what his potions lessons were all about anyway? It's like, here are the here's the potion that you need to make today. Go and do it. And then I just get to go around insulting everybody. Yeah. Like, that is kind of a, a thing for him. Like, that's kind of his teaching style as he likes going around class and insulting people.
1: Yeah, which... You know, I guess, you know, when, because we've still had a lot of Snape defenders in the comments lately, and of course our show is full of people who don't really much care for Snape as far as the hosts go, and I just always like to kind of point that out as a reminder that Snape is a horrible teacher. Sorry, (laughs) Snape.
0: Who has lots of fans. (laughs) Who has lots
1: of fans, yes. I think it's fair to call out Snape because I think, I think with this reread, a lot of I've noticed a lot of people's perceptions kind of not necessarily being completely changed, but they're starting to see, you know, the other sides. I've even, you know, seen a lot of the other sides of arguments I thought were kind of indestructible previously. Um,
0: So you want to believe in a love story. You want to rally behind a love story because Snape's you know big reveal at the end is that oh it was kind of a love story but it's really like the most messed up backwards weird (laughs) love story that's ever been put down into seven volumes because you get to these scenes where he's just cruel to everybody he's just the worst person ever to fall to ever have fallen in love with someone else yes
4: in seven volumes yeah then there's always twilight (laughs) moving
0: on but (laughs) that's why i said seven volumes (laughs)
1: twilight with um as as was pointed out, with not much success other than Hermione, everybody, the, the class starts to wrap up, but then Snape, of course, has to attack Harry one more time. And the, of course, I just had to point out the classic line where Harry <laughs> snaps back. <laughs> Harry has clearly decided that he's not going to take anything from Snape this year. Yeah. Um which is very clear as he says to Snape that there is no need for Snape to call him sir when Snape is trying to remind Harry to yeah, call him sir. It's brilliant.
0: <laughs> it's brilliant but it's almost too brilliant for Harry. You know what I'm saying? It feels it's like sassy
4: Harry. No. Harry's
1: yeah. master. I don't I think this is I I think if there is a pr- impression that this is too brilliant for Harry it's because he's not like this in the movies um yeah. like this this oh.
0: is this is purely book harry book book harry for me i'm just crazy. like jk rowling is just like writing the best lines and giving them for once she's giving them to <laughs> harry it's
3: i remember like, the first time i read that so vividly and i was just like oh yeah <laughs> I,
0: loved it. Well, I love it there's this intake of breath right the whole class yes. is watching gasping
1: thinking about all the things we just said about snape interestingly enough they leave the room with harry having perceived snape's opening monologue, because he always has to give one, um, about the Dark Arts is very negative and as very much embracing kind of the Dark Arts is he he the narration says that it's like a loving caress, um, the way that Snape speaks about the Dark Arts. But Hermione, interestingly, thinks that Snape's speech sounds a lot like what Harry's been saying. Um so, you know, there we go. At least shattering a few things we may have said about Snape just now <laughs> and his teaching right. methods, um, and also, of course, this is a very subtle tying of Snape and Harry together um, mm-hmm. by a, by Hermione. That's going to be very important as we move along with this book. Um, but there will be more of those, so keep an eye on that. Uh, and before we get to the potions lessons, too, there is a there is an important potion. In that lesson, called Amortensia...
4: But what does it smell like, Michael? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we, we should go around and say what our Amortensia would smell <laughs> It smells like. like
0: the burrow, doesn't it? <laughs> Guys, doesn't it smell like the burrow? I'm sure I smelled something at the burrow that smelled just like it does in this Yeah, hmm, <laughs> um, <laughs> You're talking about uh, the standard book of... or You're talking about Snape's monologue. I wanted to open... Or I want to talk about this. He, he, he describes the Dark Arts as being like a multi-headed uh, creature that, you, you know, when you kill one head it sprouts another more clever than the first yeah and i did find that to be really intense and also very like i don't know practical it is it is like a stroking of of the dark arts from snape it's interesting that hermione turns it around around on harry um but i think harry just lacks the verbiage to be able to say something as particularly well crafted as as snape's speech or per.
4: And he's never had the chance to study Greek myth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that too. And the other thing, uh, yeah, except somehow Snape has. I wonder. Yeah,
2: true. Yeah. Maybe but, uh, maybe Snape
1: I, just I, paid attention in history of magic.
4: Also, yeah. you know, the Greek myths are probably based on actual
0: Yeah.
1: Magic yeah, to so, the, so yeah, to them that's right, actual right. history,
0: so. Yeah. Um I did want to ask <laughs> regarding uh Snape and Harry. Um he talks about it as if the light arts are not the same way, that really the malleable, mutating form of magic is dark. So I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about that, because this is like this is his intro to this course. It's like, you can't get this uh, type of stuff with the light arts. This is the dark arts, where <laughs> more heads cleverer than the first ones sprout out, and this is the art of it
2: well so,
1: which also kind of matches i guess what we heard earlier from uh neville via his grandmother that uh charms is a soft option. So <laughs> defense against the dark arts is not a soft option and don't you dare say I mean, that. It's just
0: like is darker <laughs> the, so the dark arts are the only ones that are like special in this method of you know the way no, that they
4: I think we've heard it from harry as well like what hermione says about harry's previous speech and mm. and snape's speech being similar. I I I definitely agree with the fact that um in the dark arts, they don't follow the rules. In in light arts, you do follow rules. There There is a certain kind of code of practice or chivalry or whatever to the light arts, so to speak. Um, so when Harry says, you know, they're not going to stand by because you're children, you're not going to... Um, if you face a dark arts, you have to really face it and, and know what's coming and, and adapt your your attacks and your defence to that dark arts. Um, because, you know, in a, in a proper duel... You have to wait for them to do the weird hand gestures and the bows and all the <laughs> before you get a snake thrown at you. Um, but in in the dark arts, that snake will just come at you straight
0: away. <laughs> it's just you and him and guts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to bring up the beginning of this chapter. They're going. They're at the lunch table, or whatever. They're at the table and they're going over what they think um, Dumbledore might teach Harry
2: mm-hmm.
0: in his private lessons. And there's a recommendation. Uh, I think it's Ron that says. Uh, maybe they'll teach you, like, really intense uh, jinxes and hexes that Death Eaters simply won't know. And Hermione has a line where she's, she tells them that those uh, spells were actually or are actually illegal. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of opened the world for me because it shows that more than just the unforgivable curses are illegal. Mm-hmm. That there are, in fact, maybe light magic hexes and jinxes that are so bad.
3: It's probably the equivalent of, like, you know... And uh, even just in regular crime, like, um, a crime is a crime, a murder is a more serious crime, a robbery is less, but it's still, you know, is warranting punishment, it's still illegal. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure an unforgivable curse is thus unforgivable, and that gets you thrown in Azkaban, whereas something else you might get, like, a fine.
2: Yeah, that mm-hmm.
1: I, that makes so sense, illegal. because I think the, expe- the expectation, you know, when they're taught these kind of defensive or dueling type spells is that they're not going to be using them out on the street like as they're walking down Diagon Alley that's something they're not supposed to do like th- there's respected institutions and areas and venues where you're supposed to use spells like that
0: so for me it was just like there's light magic that is so intense it's illegal
4: but is that actually light magic that's that's still dark arts it's just not the three particular dark art spells that mad Moody decided to teach, or well,
0: Moody. oh Moody. The way it's worded, where it's like, spells the Death Eaters won't know, I was just thinking, oh, it's clearly like some white Dumbledore magic um, that they mm. think he's going to teach him. I don't know, it's very vague. It's only a passing reference, but because yeah. you get this uh, monologue from Snape talking about how cool the dark arts are, I just wonder if there's any uh, light magic love to be found.
1: Well, speaking of that, since you brought it up, Eric, and I, w- I was actually going to bring that up, what... what um. What did everybody think that Dumbledore was going to teach Harry? Because Dum- Harry gets this lovely letter from Dumbledore in the hallway. Um, That's <laughs> kind of the start of this yeah. weird running joke where people just keep delivering Harry letters um, so yeah. manually, uh, which I also found weird because Dumbledore could easily just send an owl. But for some reason, he catches students
0: in the halls like, bring this to Harry. Um, so <laughs> those students are all secretly in cahoots with Dumbledore he has like a, a lemon drop factory or something
1: <laughs> well really what yeah. more what more enticement do you need than to be like you can go talk it's, to Harry Potter it's always
4: kids that have previously had an awkward interaction yes. with
1: Harry <laughs> <laughs> well exactly there's no
4: one that he would actually like to have a letter from it's just always awkward people calling creepy <laughs> well and
2: I yeah. like
1: Rosie you had kind of suggested I think in a previous episode that it was possibly that Dumbledore notes that Dumbledore takes into account what Harry says about missing Sirius's letters. Um yeah. so this is Dumbledore's way of kind of this. This
0: is per, per, a potential <laughs> sentimental that side. Void. Yeah, that void. he also
3: probably picks people that he doesn't want Harry to like that Harry doesn't want to talk to. So. That he so doesn't really ask that many go. questions. <laughs> it's like he doesn't really want to engage Colin Creevy in a long line of questioning. Mm. Of, of did Dumbledore say anything? Blah blah. Because blah, he just wants Colin Creevy gone. He doesn't want to talk to Cho Chang. <laughs> um, you know. I,
0: I feel so. like I feel like Dumbledore is paying uh, particularly close attention to Harry though this year. Th- there's that that uh, he only gives letters to people that <laughs> have had awkward interactions with Harry. <laughs> Brain analysis. There's also this idea of uh, when the lesson is, which right, it interferes with. Yeah snape's detention which he just <laughs> received just received and i think if i'm remembering correctly i feel like dumbledore just makes harry still do that detention just on a later date yeah he
1: goes and yeah. talks to snape and has it rescheduled. yeah
0: but but still it's funny because harry thinks he's got this reprieve but it also points to dumbledore either it's a coincidence or dumbledore's paying real close attention to harry this year
4: I think it's a coincidence. Like he was always going to have that meeting on that very first day. It's just that Harry wasn't supposed to get a detention on
2: that
4: day. Depending on whether you
1: subscribe to the theory or not, that Dumbledore is in fact in, in control of everything. Um, yeah. So, but but what did you guys think? I think he's an old Ron. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: old,
1: an old Ron Weasley. <laughs> but just quickly, what did you guys think Dumbledore was going to be teaching Harry? Since that was brought up.
4: Ooh. I have no idea. I honestly can't remember. Because I'm pretty... It had to be something interesting and something to do with the actual plot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was Horcruxes, because we had no idea what Horcruxes were. No. Um, But I think definitely something vital to killing Voldemort.
1: But we do get some pretty cool stuff uh, in Slughorn's classroom, and... uh, Potions
0: has never been more
1: interesting. No, it hasn't. (laughs) Well, and first of all, we walk into the room, and we smell some lovely scents. Again... If anybody wants to raise their hand and tell me what they would smell their
0: amortensia. I don't know. Is that okay? Actually, I I do.
3: I do want to hear everyone say like one thing.
0: Hmm. Um, Hershey chocolate.
4: (laughs) I'd have to do uh, old book smell. It has to be. You know, just that lovely paper smell. That's
2: a good, that's a good one. It's a good smell. (laughs) Mm. Laura?
4: Which I I think is one of Hermione's as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I've one that's
3: really specific, but there's like the smell of the resin that's on like the inside of my gu- my guitar. Like I just love Ooh, like, smelling good. my guitar, and it's that's my cool. dad's guitar and everything that's like passed down. So it's like you know he's still alive, but something like he's that. dead. Yeah, he's still, <laughs> He just gave it to me anyway. But <laughs> yeah. um, huh. yeah, yeah. Good
4: memories that are associated to smells are yeah, they're good. Things.
1: Gosh, oh. what about you, Michael? Ah. Uh, See, now Laura came up with such a cool one. I was like, what is this really specific? Because there, I mean, there are like certain, like, I I know like there's certain, like, um, this is a weird one. This is really weird. But like, I remember when I was, when I first went to Disneyland when I was six, like, I don't know if it's Disneyland itself or the people who go to it, but I think.
4: (laughs) They smell? Well, there's like a
1: combo of like Disneyland and like all the perfumes and colognes that people wear (laughs) that combines to make this really nice smell. But an easy one would be probably the scent of rain. I love the smell of yeah. rain after during a rain yep.
3: the easy one's garlic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: Anything with garlic, I want in my belly.
1: So, <laughs> but uh, nice. of course, there are a lot of um, little hints going on.
2: I love these in hints. this section so <laughs> of
1: uh, romance. And uh, Harry, Hermione shippers, I think I found your chapter. Like oh no. <laughs> no. Why?
4: <laughs> don't don't tell them. <laughs> not them I mean where the to to, to cite sources. This. What
1: are you talking about? Cuz uh on page 181, Harry oh, notes no. that he was very disarmed that Hermione had thought his words as well worth mentioning or, or memorizing oh, as the standard book of spells that he did not argue with her after she points that out. And also on page 186, um, after Slughorn praises Hermione And remembers Harry's words uh, Complimenting words about her Hermione turned to Harry with a radiant expression And whispered Did you really tell him I'm the best in the year? Oh Harry And then Ron responds with Well what's so impressive about that? Whispered Ron <laughs> Who for some reason looked annoyed You are the best in the year I've told him so if he'd asked me Hermione smiled But made a shh-ing gesture So that they could hear what Slughorn was saying Ron looked yeah. slightly disgruntled <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's but been put in I'm his place. I'm tall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my favorite line in the book. I'm
4: tall. Oh, poor Ron. Poor
1: Ron. Um, there's also a little bit of Harry Ginny in the um, in the amortensia itself, because when Harry smells the amortensia on page 183, a gold-colored cauldron was emitting one of the most seductive scents Harry had ever inhaled. Somehow it, it reminded him simultaneously of treacle tart, the woody smell of a broomstick handle... And something flowery, he thought he might have smelled at the burrow, and on so
4: Mrs. Weasley's <laughs> cooking, the broomsticks that Ginny steals from the cupboard and the flowery perfume she wears. And
1: Ginny, so cute. And on page one ninety two, of course, <laughs> because Harry is not quite up to speed to figure out what that scent is. On one ninety two, <laughs> Harry caught a sudden waft of that flowery smell he had picked up in Slughorn's dungeon, and of course he turns yep. around and Ginny's standing. Ginny right
0: there. has sat down. Uh-huh. Um,
1: And then, of course, Hermione and Ron, the more obvious one. Uh, Notwithstanding Ron's uh, rather negative reaction to Harry's praise of Hermione, uh, on page 185, Hermione summarizes Amartensia and says, "'It's
4: supposed to smell differently to each of us, according to what attracts us. And I can smell freshly mown grass and new parchment and...'
1: But she turned slightly pink and did not complete the sentence.' Um, she totally well.
4: realized what that smell was. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. And of course- well, that's what I think is interesting
3: both about this and what Harry said is like. Well, I'm sure like Hermione's more open to herself about her feelings towards Ron, but like doesn't seem like Harry like. He's not necessarily he's even, not like aware. fully realized his like yeah. feelings that he has for Ginny. So it's almost as if like the potions like figured it out before him because before even him. when he smells the smell, he can't place it, and then it's yeah. like almost like playing detective of what the smell is until he sees Ginny rather than like it automatically being like oh wow like that's Ginny and I'm smelling it so I like, her. like <laughs> it's kind of like the yeah that's you know it's, it's weird you're right mm-hmm.
0: yeah you're completely right Laura that, that 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 potion should be able to root that out in him
1: Hmm. yeah that kind of intuitive nature of magic that it, it even knows things about you that you don't
0: realize about yourself
4: it kind of suggests soulmates, doesn't it? That you've got someone who's perfect for you, and these are the kind of things that they'll Which is like.
0: ironic, because it's not a potion that creates love, it just creates infatuation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and then uh, that, so that kind of pairs
1: up along, too, with the, uh, perhaps the, the evolving natures of Patronuses as well. Because um, I imagine Amortensia can change its smell over time. Yeah. Like you might smell different things in,
0: at a different period in your life. You might go to Disneyland.
2: This
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is not a commercial for Disneyland. I'm not crazy about Disneyland. No, Michael was right.
1: It's it's (laughs) funny that that comes. I did. I I did feel too. And again, I can kind of see, even though I obviously don't sympathize, I can see um, in a way why the Harry Hermione shippers feel they had a strong case with this particular chapter, and especially with Ron kind of being like, "I would have told Slughorn if he'd asked." yeah, because
4: I guess if Hermione had made like she cuts herself off at that point, and if she had stated what that thing was and it was linked to Ron, then it would be more of a no. It's not Harry Hermione. It's definitely Harry Ron. Okay. Uh, Hermione, that was sorry, Freudian slip. Hermione Ron, <laughs> um, but yeah, but if it guys... was. It's spearmint toothpaste. Yes, as we all know. It is know. spearmint tooth- <laughs> yeah.
0: toothpaste. Thank oh. you. but
4: that's because, like, he didn't she wipe like toothpaste off his face. Well, that's in just, the a, yeah, that's just game. like a movie. Yeah, game he, he, he wipes it off her movie face. You've got
0: toothpaste sir. and
4: spearmint Make it toothpaste. Off, yes,
1: yes. Now, actually, I I, well, I like that. that in the movie just because it it works a little better for the scene as, as a film yeah. than it just makes it. Yeah, it makes it a little more clear. Um, but it is it is kind of there's a lot of fun shipping going on in this in this chapter yeah. a lot of fun hints of what's coming up as far as couples. It's
0: funny because it's so it's much fun Yeah, and it is. It it's is really is, subtle. It is
1: very it is very subtly very well done. I didn't really even pay much when I first read it. I remember I remember that I didn't pay much attention to Harry catching <laughs> Ginny's scent. Because that was probably because the book is so whatever about Harry and Ginny anyway. Yeah. Um but uh the Ron Hermione things I generally picked up. Um and really, looking back on it, because when I first read it, I was a pretty strict, you know, Hermione Ron. Ob- this is so obvious, um, mm-hmm. and I caught it there, and I caught the jealousy there between with Ron. But at the same time, so, the more I reread the books, the more I'm like, "Well, Ron, it's not like you haven't been given opportunities to,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you're you're kind of suck." <laughs> but at he's this.
4: realized by now as well. Like he he's putting those little I'm tall moments in there. Like yeah, there are. Hints that something is happening behind the scenes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice little, some nice little hint drops. But uh, Slughorn gets on with the lesson. Um, once again, contrasting some teaching uh, methods here. Slughorn's pretty great. Uh, he, <laughs> he Slughorn is great. He really, he's, he's got a good balance, I'd say, of, of instruction, but also kind of uh, letting the students take charge to some degree. Um, yeah. He does an excellent job of that by laying out potions for them to look at and getting them engaged in the class right off the bat. And uh, to start off, though, he says that he's going to have them brew a very difficult potion um, to win a vial of Felix Felicis. Uh, I actually know all the secrets about Felix Felicis, but I'm not going to share them on this episode because we can talk about that on another one. There's there's a, ti- there's a chapter titled Felix Felicis, so we'll get to that potion later. Um, or you can slog through Book of Potions, listeners, if you so dare. Um, or, but, but, uh, in this, uh, in this class, we are going to brew the draft of living death, which is no easy feat. <laughs>
0: um, okay. <clears throat> quick, quick, I want to interrupt your quick one thing. Oh, please. This says more about Snape, uh, than ever. They're finally brewing in a newt class. They're brewing <laughs> this potion that, that Snape teased Harry with. Yeah. Uh, in day one yep. of year of year one, by the way, mm-hmm. by giving him that uh, trivia random thing, mm-hmm. question. Yes, Tell me, Mr. Potter, what would happen if you uh, added a powdered root of asphodel to an infusion of wormwood?
1: And then yeah. stirred twice clockwise, add sloth brain. And, and then <laughs> stirred, stirred seven times. Did a lot of other one things.
0: <laughs> one counterclockwise and crushed a bean with a blade. <laughs> um, it's just weird for me that that I mean, it's come full circle, but it took long enough. I mean, Snape was obviously... The point I want to make is that Snape was obviously asking a question that was way beyond. Yeah. Yes. Harry. He just wanted to embarrass Hermione wait. knew it, somehow, which I won't get into. I, mean, I guess it's a famous... It's a famous potion? Or wait, Wolfsbane, which is one of the ingredients, is supposed to be super hard to make, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least to it was not it. discovered until very recently. Maybe it's not that hard to make once you make it, but... <clears throat> Well, Snape's the only one on site who can make it. We're getting sidetracked. Anyway, yeah, my point <laughs> was Snape asked Harry that tough question about this potion. And yeah, they're they're making it in year six in a new but class. But is
4: that actually a key clue that we've now got a return to Asphodel and wormwood, And that is something that Snape has talked about. Therefore, this is perhaps a link to Snape. Because of obviously, we get that extra bit of information that the Half Blood Prince is about. That is out.
0: interesting, and in this chapter, there is also—I mean, there are clues, and there is a line that says, "In in this dungeon." I don't know if Harry's leaving, and it's like this is the most enjoyable lesson in this dungeon. It is the yeah. same. It is the same. The very same dungeon, mm-hmm. and that also is a hint to the fact that the book that was in the cupboard was you know, left behind by.
1: Yeah, there is actually a pretty large amount of kind of obvious hints that it's Snape. Um, who is writing in this book? Um, and uh, what what I find fascinating about that, once again, with what we were talking about about Snape and his teaching methods, Snape is an excellent teacher to Harry in this class right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> like you get over him, it. And what what it <laughs> is is that Snape is kind of through this book is giving Harry hints and cheats and kind of on also making potions making enjoyable for him. Um, mm-hmm. Something you would never think would have happened. Uh, so. Just pointing that out.
0: He enjoys (laughs) it because he's winning. He enjoys it because he's beating Malfoy, right? Who's, like, super interested in getting his hands on that liquid luck. Scary thought, by the way. But Harry, throughout this book, what I'm recalling is that Harry always sees this as a means to an end. He, he, He loves these instructions, but he's not actually as far as I can tell, learning about the nature of potion making, like, you can crush this instead of cutting it. Like, that's a useful tip that everyone in the whole world should know. How is Snape keeping that kind of thing quiet? How is Snape, <laughs> how is Snape not telling people to do things that are a little different than the currently in print books are telling them uh, to do is beyond me. Like, there are these tips that Snape himself found out when he was a kid. See, and again, that kind of, gosh, I'm even though it
1: was so terrible to play, I'm glad I played it. Um, <clears throat> Book of Potions really does speak to that, because there's this kind of sense, especially from, because Zygmunt Budge was also a Slytherin, and okay. there's definitely this sense, especially from Slytherin kind of uh, uh, academics, that they they want credit for their work, and unless they get a lot of fame and fortune for it, they want to keep it to themselves. Um, some of them even decide to keep it to themselves just for their own you know personal use cuz they don't want it spread. It's kind of a it's very keen to um and Rosie, I'm sure you know a lot about this with your history studies, but uh like for example, um the uh Italian glassmakers um in uh, the 1400s who uh they, the, the that's kind of where the Italian mafia was birthed uh because they would they would kill glassmakers who left certain areas of Italy so that they wouldn't spread their knowledge to other people. Um,
0: Whoa. yeah.
4: <laughs> People like to hide that. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about, I mean, this is fascinating. Like, first of all, I'm blown away that, uh, this book of potions game would have something that can be extrapolated into like such mm-hmm. a cool discussion that we're having now where it's yeah. like, oh, this is why this isn't well known. Michael,
4: do you get to follow the Half-Blood Prince's little tweaks in that cell? Or, <laughs> no. Or, or uh, well, cause you, you don't make
0: Prince the draft of, the of
1: living death. You actually make sleeping ah. potion, which is like the lower version of this. <laughs> um, cause there's like, there's a whole conversation from Zygmunt about what a, a, a soap of a forest bean is. And he let you have to like look at the leaves and the stem. It's, it's like taking an herbology class and a potions class mixed <laughs> together. Um, and uh it, it's 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 fun in in some respects it's a little it's a little dry i guess the game's content is a little dry but the but what you learn yeah, about just geeky. yeah you can kind of i guess you can kind of see why sometimes harry sits in his lessons and is like i'm bored
2: like, <laughs> so
1: so
0: but like with this book with these tweaks that snape is making yeah um or or that the happa prince sorry is suggesting. oh no you used. spoiled it oh, oh no <laughs> I feel like if you read enough of these, you would gain a higher understanding of the art, though. Mm -hmm. The subtle science Mm -hmm. that's potion-making. I mean, like, when I stir things, can I just say I do add, like, a (laughs) counter-stir?
2: Maybe I... I,
0: (laughs) You can't just always stir in one direction, right? No, well, and as, you know, uh, both the game
1: and Pottermore really make clear that one little slip and everything goes wrong um, with potion-making. It's just like, I
0: feel like you would gain... I mean, with that book, Harry's got real gold, because... Almost in spite of himself, as you're saying, like, Snape is a great teacher through Mm -hmm. this book. um, The potential is there to really have a higher understanding of magic in general, but also especially potions, Mm -hmm. in these tweaks. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. better than the person who wrote the book are these comments that would give you further insight.
1: Yeah, yeah, and... Before actually I go on further with the conversation on step, I did want to just point out for the listeners, fun little fact, the draft of living death, which is being brewed by Harry and his classmates in this chapter, um, is actually what Rowling used in her canon um, explanation for the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty, which is canon to Harry Potter, and that a a hag named Letitia Somnolens um, used it on Aurora to put her to sleep by smothering the needle of the... uh, uh, spinning wheel with uh, the dra- the draft of living death and that uh, the prince woke her up by smothering his lips with Wiganweld potion when he kissed her <laughs> Wow <laughs> so I love it so now you know the uh, antidote to the draft of living Death it's Wiganweld potion um, but uh, you know this goes in of course to the significance as we we've, we've touched upon a little bit here of the half-blood Prince now of course when this book came out, everybody was asking who is the half blood prince it i still have my box from amazon that has that printed on the side um (laughs) like it was it was a very ingenious marketing gimmick Mm -hmm. um probably one of the strongest marketing points for the harry potter series um there's two things here you know one is uh because i know a lot of people talk about this especially in terms of the movie uh why does that matter? Why does the solution to this question matter? And in his, in in tandem with it, how does the foreknowledge that we have now, with going through the book, affect your guys' current read of of Half Blood Prince when you know that Snape is the one who is giving Harry these notes?
2: Hmm.
1: The deep philosophical the question.
2: Questions. I think that
4: it, I could think be
0: the it's... question of the week. <laughs> no, oh no, I, I have a different question of the week, but I, I think for me. <laughs> For me, it's just cool. I mean, I just, I really think that it, it this is the best, um, evidence. Uh, excuse me, evidence that Snape is, I don't know, good at what he does. Is I mean, besides the sort of off-screen evidence of him hoodwinking Voldemort for all of these years, mm-hmm. this book is concrete example that Snape knows his junk. Um, yeah,
4: he's got elements of genius. <laughs> he really does
0: have true elements of of genius. Um, in thank you Rosie for that phrase uh (laughs) in as evidenced by this book and so that's what it does for me is it still doesn't make him any nicer a guy but it shows that all of that brooding in the dark corners as a child really kind of was he was he focused it into something that he became really good at and he really excels or excelled as a potions master and as we see became you know an innovator somebody who really Steps up or stepped up the game mm-hmm. uh, in in this one area of magic. Mm-hmm.
4: I think the the reason why it's important is because this entire book is about trying to to put clues together and to work out a way of defeating the bad guy. <clears throat> um, the whole Horcrux hunt is is looking at the history, putting pieces together, mm-hmm. and here Harry has a, a a parallel riddle that he needs to solve um hmm. and that that eventually obviously we we find out um isn't necessarily beneficial to the story but is is still interesting and still um further's harry's learning in a way that we've we've seen successes and failures i mean essentially snape saves ron's life twice because of the beesor mentioned it back in the first uh-huh. book and also through the through this book again hmm. um which again same as wormwood and asphodel is a link back to between the book and, and Snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, it's interesting that we have two who is this person riddles within this series. We've got who is the Half Blood Prince and then who is RAB. Uh-huh. Almost as if we're kind of expecting the Half Blood Prince to re- reveal to be. A little bit disappointing, and therefore we've got to have someone else that we can then go. Oh, but okay, so we now know that it's Snape. So who is this guy?
0: (laughs) Who's this guy? Yeah, which of course Um, is kind of swept under the rug a bit,
4: even though this whole book is speaking ahead.
0: I mean, I know Harry goes off and on Snape, uh, and that's when it's revealed. Right when Snape is shouting it at him. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I'm the half-blood.
0: Yeah, how dare you call me God? (laughs) Uh, In that famous scene, but for me, it was. I know it was, like, the book is wrapping up, but from what I remember, like, Hermione just goes off and finds some kind of family tree, right? And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, his, his yes. parents' surname, his parents' mother's, his mom, his, mom, yeah. his mom's surname was Prince. Uh, wow. Was like, really?
4: That was it? <laughs> isn't that awesome? Yeah.
0: This is, yeah. for me, it would have been more impactful, and I'm sure we can talk about it when the chapter comes, but it's more impactful whenever Harry opens a book. It doesn't yeah. have that information just dumped on him by, like, Hermione, who's read a million books. Yeah. Um, well, so there's, elements there's, ingenious so I have in some, terms
4: it, of potions, but not naming. Yeah. So
0: I have I have an issue with like <clears throat> the climax of how this mystery was was played out in terms of that because I think it mm-hmm. could have been I don't know how different it would have been if it had happened sooner if Harry realized that the book he was reading okay it doesn't exactly have a mind of its own the way that Ginny objects at the end of this chapter the way that she so rightly and Hermione so rightly has like suspicions uh, about yeah. caution. Yeah, yeah. Cautions, suspicions about. But if he had learned that it was Snape's book, would he have gained an appreciation for Snape? Would he see? At, you know, at a cer- at a certain point, he would have in this given year, it to Ron. At a certain point, a- after Snape uh, wins enough battles for Harry in the potions classroom, makes everybody jealous. Well, and, uh, about what he does would yeah, and
1: that's why that's what I've been thinking about with this read is because I guess the thing that's perhaps lacking for me that or, or that's just interesting to me that it never comes up um is that once that discovery is made and of course maybe it is because that you know harry doesn't understand that what by by killing dumbledore snape has actually been a part of the plan and not done something as catastrophic as he thinks but mm-hmm. uh so that kind of counteracts it but there is never really that reflection from harry um so uh you know it it, it 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 while it serves i guess for the reader to possibly be like oh maybe there's more layers to snape than we thought harry never mm-hmm. internalizes that really
0: from this mm-hmm. knowledge i mean eventually names a kid after him but yeah uh, but... i wonder if during those years you know he thought oh and he also was really good at poetry
1: <laughs> i just had to wonder i just i just thought that was interesting cuz it's not it's never really narratively brought up again after Half Blood Prince, um, so it's just kind of it. It does sometimes seem like more of a oh that that was fun to know, like Rosie said, kind of like a ruse. <laughs> but uh, like a but it doesn't. But yeah, it seems like it. Like it has a purpose in the plot that's just never actually acknowledged narratively.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, well, uh, wrapping up the potions thing real quick. Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to mention that slughorn another example of how cool he was as a teacher is that he made it a challenge right he yeah. made it he, he yeah. showed them these he made it a contest it's like i always loved it's in it's putting sc- out
4: all the teacher tricks yes. yeah
0: it really is but it works it's like i always loved in school they would do like jeopardy <laughs> like <laughs> or test review days or quiz review yeah. days they would do like jeopardy you make a game of it you make <clears throat> it fun yeah and that's something that i feel even when reading this I was like, this would be a pretty cool day of class to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you when you have such high stakes of playing for a flask of liquid luck, which you've never heard of before, but which seems <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I think...
4: It's so shiny, I want I to. I think that's <laughs> just
0: another reason why Half-Blood Prince
1: by many in the fandom is held in a very high regard, is because... Uh, you know, we get a lot of more of those light, enjoyable moments that we haven't had in the series yeah. for a while, and especially Rowling is so kind as to give us an actually very, very pleasant um, potions class before we leave Hogwarts. Um,
3: we haven't is... really seen a class being taught like in an experimental way since like Lupin.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, doing it's... the
3: Bogart stuff.
1: Well, and and speaking of that, just the last question I have for you guys, and you can just quickly go around and say if you had a thought on this, who did you think the Half Blood Prince was? Even uh, if it's I, just yeah, somebody I, who you wanted
0: it to be. Uh, I think we said this at the beginning of the book, answered this question, but I, I I had no idea and I assumed it would be a new character. I assumed that like some foreign prince from like Germany or Bulgaria or somebody was going to be knocking on Harry's door. <laughs> um, I didn't assume it was going to be somebody we knew already.
4: Yeah. I think because the precedent of Prisoner of Azkaban had been set of that as well, I think, yeah, I thought it was a new character as well.
1: Literally... Out of nothing but pure bias and love, I wanted it to be Lupin. I had no logic whatsoever, and it was like the it was like the book knew what I wanted because Harry was like, "Was it you?" And he's like, "No, oh. <laughs> that's stupid." And I
0: was like, "He actually asked Lupin if that was him?" Yeah, he asks him at the Christmas in the Christmas funny.
1: chapter. Yeah, so. that's super funny. Sadly, but okay. but yes, we we leave this chapter wondering who is the half blood prince and listeners. Please, um, with this show and your thoughts on who the Half Blood Prince was at the time, uh, you can visit alohamorn.mugglenet.com and join in the discussion and contribute your thoughts about who you thought. Follow up question: was. Who? Follow up
0: question: Who writes their name on the back of the book cover, like the back, <laughs> the back of the? Are you supposed to write in the beginning? to be top corner of the left.
2: Top corner the Top quarter, to the well,
0: yeah. who doesn't do it on the first page come on you gotta write it on the page so that when they open the book they're like oh this belongs to someone else i shouldn't read this i know
1: they, do, they yeah. don't get those course books that you open it up and it has that little box it's like this book belongs uh, to
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's just returned that. in what condition Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> All right, i have a different question for the question of the week and i think it's a good one and i hope you guys do too Uh, In this chapter, Harry notices that Malfoy is feverishly working towards completing his potion because he, too, wants liquid luck. My question is, what do our listeners think would have happened if Malfoy had, in fact, won the contest and received liquid luck? What exactly, at this point in the book, would Malfoy's lucky day entail? Or reward him with.
1: Ooh, that's a um, that's a good one, listeners. Go yeah. go go play Book of Potions and learn more about Felix Felicis because because <laughs> it does have its limitations. So that is a good that's a very good oh, question.
4: It's such a brilliant alternate universe. Someone write that fanfic for me, please. I want to read it. it like a lucky coincidence.
1: Call it Malfoy gets lucky. <laughs> Malfoy gets lucky. <laughs> there's a coincidental shipment of brooms to Azkaban the same day that the walls crumble and all the Death Eaters <laughs> just leave. <laughs> exactly it's
0: all because Malfoy won that potion so we do like to do the what ifs from time to time but i think this one really struck me that's a good far. one
4: so thank you laura very much for stepping in last minute to be on the show with us all again oh you're welcome it was nice. lovely to have you laura Definitely.
0: saves the day da, 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 da. Yay! she really, really <laughs> did i want everybody at home to know that laura saved the day we were both kind of on our cleaning days off and we got roped into the show and we, <laughs> I, I had fun i'm sure you did too
3: Oh, I'm glad because I got to the last episode host with um Michael Cat and um Allison. So now adding more hosts to the uh, return episodes for me. So yeah, no, it was definitely really, definitely really uh fun. It's
1: good. We ne- we needed a Gryffindor. We had three. Hufflepuff sitting here going, what do, we do?
3: what do we do? Oh, God, no, we
4: can't have that. <laughs> we would just end up partying and eating too much food, and it would yeah. just end horribly. But we were good
1: finders, because we found Ooh. replacement host. We hose. found a host <laughs> who was, not allowed to have who more was than brave three enough to, to come on as the, the Gryffindor that she
0: is. Well, and I will say, we are sure that it was just a miscommunication with our uh, guest host, our fan guest host, who was supposed to be on this episode. Uh, we will reconnect with them and be sure that they are on. But the normal channels to be on our show are all listed on our website, which is Um No fancy equipment is needed. There are some pieces of equipment, like Apple headphones. that will take care of the whole thing right away. Uh, but all of the instructions, all the sets of advice and the email address to send your audition to and all this other stuff are all located on our website. So definitely check that out. And while you're there, download a ringtone for free.
1: And if you just want to get in touch with us just to say hi or send us a thought, uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, we are on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, mn facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. Our Tumblr account, mn alohamora podcast. We have a phone number, 206 go albus. That's 206 462 5287. Our audio boom, that's audio boom account now, is Alohomora. Uh, You can actually uh, find that at alohomora.mugglenet.com. There's a little bar there where you can record a message uh, for us, and it's free. All you need is a microphone. Just make sure and keep those messages under 60 seconds if you can, uh, because that way we can play them on the show and share them with our other listeners.
4: Uh, don't forget, we've also got our more store where you can find house shirts, desk pig shirts, mandrake liberation front shirts, and Minerva is my homegirl shirt, as we've had so much Minerva love today, and so many more. I am working very hard to try and get a um, detrimental to my stealth t shirt because I, I know it. I really <laughs>
1: like that idea. I need to do <laughs> yeah, I, st- totally I, I still do need to figure out how to get a loop and love shirt out because I know a lot of people have been asking me for that.
4: <laughs> Definitely. We are going to work on some new designs and hopefully they'll be out very yes. soon.
0: There is also the Alohomora smartphone app, which is available on this side of the pond and the other. I think we finally ran out of bonus content from Florida, from our trip <laughs> uh, I believe this week's uh, bonus content will be provided by Caleb. Um, but we have uh, transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings for episodes, host vlogs, and more, all on this Alohomora app. Find out more on our website, alohomora.mogolette.com that was a fun one i'm eric skull
1: i'm michael harley
4: and i'm rosie morris thank you for listening to episode 127 of locomora
1: open the dumbledore
0: I found my Hufflepuff tie, guys. Yay! Yay. Today, okay, when I was cl- I was cleaning my closet, and I couldn't find it when I went to Florida a couple months ago, and I searched the whole place, except it was behind the toolbox in the closet. And <laughs> can I just say... Eric, not... you're
4: a Hufflepuff. You're meant to be a really good finder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I found it today, and that was yep. because I took the time to clean the whole thing. And, I'm uh, sad you lost not your wand, now, but I found Eric. It. At- uh, you should get a house elf. Oh, t- the wand is a different story. So I do sad. need a house elf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Called the half Prince. <laughs> Called the half Prince. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> uh, uh, sorry. Excess of phlegm there?